0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحديث الثامن والعشرون أن أبي نجيه الإرباد إبن سارية رضي الله عنه قال وعذنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم موئذة وجلت منها القلوب وظرفت منها العيون وقلنا يا رسول الله كأنها موئذة موعدع فأوسنا قال أوسيكم بتقوى الله والسمع والطاعة وإن تأمر عليكم عبد فإنه من يعيش منكم بعدي فسيرى اختلافا كثيرا فعليكم بسنتي والسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين عدوا عليها بالنواجد وإياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل بدعة دلالة رواه أبو داود وترميذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح
1: as The hadith is reported by Irvad bin Saria anhu He says the messenger sallallahu alayhi Gave us maw'idah Wa'adhana The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Gave us Maw'idha What is Mawa Maw'idha is advice Which you give to people Like asking them to fear Allah And telling them about akhirah The Hereafter Telling them about Paradise Telling them about the fire. This is called Maw'idah. And people need Maw'idah from time to time. Everyone knows La ilaha illallah. Everyone knows Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Everyone knows Salah five times a day is compulsory. We know these things, but we still need to be reminded. So maw'idha is like a reminder where you remind people, remind them about Allah, remind them about the importance of salah, remind them about the importance of all the sha'ai, the regulations which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. This maw'idha brings piety to the heart. When you talk about Allah, you talk about religion, the heart finds piety. al amanu, those who believe. And their hearts find tranquility in the remembrance of Allah, in the mention of Allah. Is it not through the mention of Allah or the remembrance of Allah that hearts find tranquility? So the Messenger sallallahu alayhi gave them mawa He says, Wajilat The hearts were filled with the fear of Allah, because of this mu'awidha which the messenger of Allah gave them. Meaning, the speech was so eloquent, and Rasulullah was an eloquent speaker. He gave the mu'awidha to the point where fear entered their hearts, and this is the sign of iman. When Allah is mentioned, when it is said, "Fear Allah." You find fear comes to your heart and your heart finds tranquility. <inaudible> the true believers are the ones when Allah is mentioned, their hearts are filled with, with fear. <inaudible> and when the verses of Allah are recited to them, zaadathum imana, they increased them in iman, so the hearts were filled with fear, and he says our eyes were filled with tears. Tears of what? Tears of iman, out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the powerful speech that was given by the messenger sallallahu says, qulna, we said, Saying to the Messenger sallallahu Ya Rasool Allah, O Messenger of Allah, This sounds like a parting speech. Like the speech which is given by a person who is about to go. Because the words were too strong. The speech was so touching. You know when a person is about to leave, if he is going to a faraway place, and he gives advice, usually the advice is comprehensive and to the point. A dying man, for example, when he calls the family and gives them advice before he dies, what does he talk about? He talks about important things, usually things that are touching to the the heart. Usually, when a person is dying, he gives a comprehensive speech in such a manner that People cry. They don't talk about useless things. They talk about the most important things. So, Rasulullah gave maw'idah advice which sounded like the advice of a parting person, a person who's about to leave. They said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, this speech of yours sounds like the speech of a person who is about to leave, as if you are going to die the way you're advising us. Therefore, give us advice. We want you to advise us some more. Meaning, give us some important words. Words which we have to hold on to. Even if you left us, Ya Rasool Allah. He said, I give you advice. To fear Allah. This is the first advice that the Messenger of Allah used to give. وَلَقَدْ uh, أُوحِيَ What is the ayah again? No, 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 I don't mean the hadith. There's, there's an ayah I'm, I'm looking for. I'll, I'll recite it when I remember it, inshaAllah. This maw'idha this of taqwa, to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Allah's advice to those who came before us and to us. And it is the advice of the messenger sallallahu alaihi to us, fear Allah. It's the best advice. If people say stand up and give maw'idha, give bayan, the best bayan is, I advise you and advise myself to fear Allah. That is the best advice. But people, he, he's the one reading our book. People are usually offended when you ask them to fear Allah. When you say to a brother, Ittaqillah, fear Allah, he gets offended. He says, why, why are you saying fear Allah? You think I don't fear Allah. But fear Allah is the best advice. The Sahaba, anhum, are we like them? No, we aren't. They are much better than us. But when they asked for advice, what did the messenger of Allah say to them? Fear Allah. And they got angry, right? They said, why are you telling us to fear Allah? Rasulullah are we like him? He's much, much better than us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But Allah says to him, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu taqillah, O Prophet of Allah, fear Allah. And after that Rasulullah Sallallahu wasallam, became angry, right? You said, why is Allah uh, 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 telling me to, to fear Allah? Fear Allah is the best advice someone can give you. Ittaqillah. Fear Allah is not an insult. When it is said to him, Fear Allah, he becomes pompous, he becomes proud, he doesn't want to be told to fear Allah. So from now on, when someone says to you, Fear Allah, accept that advice with both hands. Say jazakallahu i Now try my level best to fear Allah. So, he says, I advise you. This is the best advice that I'm giving you. To fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I also advise you to hear. To hear. And to obey. The first advice is, to fear Allah. The second advice, listen. The third advice, obey. Listen to him and obey whom. Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, makes it clear in the hadith. What does he say? Sallallahu
0: alayhi wa sallam?
1: If Nif, your Amir, Becomes a slave. So because the Messenger mentions an Amir, we understand that by listening and obeying, the Messenger means our umara. Amir is leader. A leader. And in all walks of life, we have different types of leaders. A home has a leader. An institution like ours has a leader. A country has a leader. When people are traveling Rasulullah said if there are three of you traveling then one of you is supposed to be the Amir. They're supposed to be a leader every time. Why is a leader important? Because we need to live as a Jama'a, as a group and united. If we are a group, then we need someone to lead the group. Everyone cannot lead the group. When we choose someone to be our amir, we do not mean that he is the best of us. Understand that point? The leader is not the best man. The leader is simply someone we trust to lead us. When Abu Bakr Siddiq, anhu, was chosen by the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم, to be the leader, to be the Khalifa, he stood up and gave this khutbah. He said, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O people, إِنِّي عَلَيْكُمْ I've been chosen to be your leader. وَلَسْتُ But I'm not the best of you. He was the best. He was the best of them. As-Siddiq رضي الله عنه, But he says, I'm not the best of you. When we say someone is a leader, we're not saying he is the best of all of us. We just need someone to be in front. And if we give him that amana of leadership, it means we must follow and obey everything that, that he says, except when he orders us to disobey Allah. For example, if we chose someone to be in charge of our our institution here obviously we have to obey the person right if he says this is what we're going to do today we follow whatever he tells us because he's our leader but if he says from now on we, we're going to be locking the gate in the in the morning and no one should come for Fajr are we are we supposed to obey him in that aspect say no because he's our leader therefore he said no no one is is going to come we we'll say we respect you very much jazakallah like khairan but uh, salah is wajib salah is compulsory and allah has ordered us to pray therefore this particular order we are not going to follow it we we will we'll come and pray in the in the morning with all due respect so if he says if he orders us to do something which which is haram it means we must we must beat him and uh, uh, and then Uh, uh, Make sure that he's no longer our leader. Not so. Is that what it means? If he orders us to do something which which is not halal, something which is haram, after that we beat him and tell him you're no longer our leader, we're going to choose someone else, we just correct that particular mistake. Everything else about him is okay. We continue to obey, we continue to follow. Are we together? Here is the problem in our societies. Obviously, a leader is a human being. And obviously, a leader makes mistakes. If a leader makes a mistake, address that particular mistake that has been made by the leader and leave him alone as a human being. Do not get one mistake and use it to tarnish his whole image. Just because he made a mistake, therefore, uh, you see, this, this, this imam, we, we saw him in a certain place uh, uh, playing, playing pool, he was playing pool in the, in the bar, therefore the whole jama'ah has now decided that he's no longer our imam. Why? Because we, we saw him playing pool in the bar. Yeah, this, this is a mistake, isn't it? It's a mistake. We need to correct it. Are there some good things about, about this imam? Yeah, there are lots of good things about him. So let's correct this mistake and continue with our, our imam. Because if this one is no longer imam because he was playing pool in, in a bar, we'll bring another one who doesn't play pool, but he's going to have a different weakness. So how many imams are we going to have? The next imam we bring, ah, this one also is no longer our imam. Why? We saw him talking to a lady at the, at the corner. This, this one can't be our imam, therefore, uh, uh, get him out. The following day, you bring another imam. Uh, this imam, we, we have to get rid of him. What is the problem? We went to his house in the morning, knocking there, he didn't even come out, so he has to go. Correct the mistake. Correct the mistake, he's a human being. So, as-sam'u, hearing, ta'a and obeying. This, this is advice. And this is, they say, parting advice, right? It means this is important, very important advice. In fact, concerning the leader, Rasulullah sallallahu once mentioned the leader alongside the pillars of Islam. He gave khutbah sallallahu and said, Pray five times a day. Give zakat Fast during the month of Ramadan. Go for hajj. Obey your leaders. Then you will enter the paradise of your Lord. These are vital pillars of Islam. Uh, salah, zakat, whatever. And on top of that, the messenger alayhi wasalam, says, Obey your leader. So my advice, ittaqullah, fear Allah, wassam'a. And if they get a slave and say, this slave is now your leader. Obviously, according to Islam, all right? According to Islam, a slave can't be a leader. A slave cannot be, cannot be our king. Is, is that possible? Is it possible to call someone king-slave? <laughs> he can't be. If he's a slave, then obviously he can't be a king. But the Messenger of Allah says, if Nif, a slave becomes your leader, meaning obviously that we don't expect that. But if Nif, the situation were so bad that a slave became a leader because of the virtue of becoming a leader, you start obeying him. You start following whatever he says. If he says today, this is what we're going to do, everyone, everyone follows that. If he says this, we're not going to do so long as it doesn't go against, against the Sharia. If he says today, all of us will drink one bottle of beer. we we'll say, ah, no, no, no. That is haram. We're not going to accept that. But anything that doesn't go against the Sharia, we're supposed to obey. Even if they choose a slave and say, the slave is going to be your, your leader. Then he says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, <laughs> For any person, he says, anyone who is going to live after me, any person who is going to have a long life after me, after the messenger he's alayhi he is going to see people differing in many ways. People are going to differ. And the sahaba of Rasulullah those that had a long life, saw this ikhtilaf with their own eyes. They saw people fighting each other. I can't I can't (coughs) obey this one. I cannot follow him, he is not my leader. The Messenger had already foreseen this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already shown him. But what is the solution? If people are going to differ, if people are going to fight, if they're going to kill each other, you know the Messenger knew about this. Everything which is happening today, the Messenger knew it was going to happen. How many differences have you seen, you, after leaving, after the messenger sallallahu how many differences have you seen? Muslim country against Muslim country. Ikhtilaf and kathira. Lots of differences. Even as we speak, there are very few Islamic countries that understand each other and even unite in anything. They're always fighting each other. Why? We haven't followed the order of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa ta'a. hearing, listening, and obeying. Within a country you find people who who don't who don't follow or they don't want to follow what the leader uh, 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 says. No, for me this this, this leadership I, I don't follow it. For me I don't I don't like this leader. But Rasulullah وسلم, says wa ta'a. let's try to think um, each one of us or the majority of us are leaders in, in our homes, right? We are leaders in our homes. Sometimes we are right, sometimes we are wrong. Are we always right in our homes in everything we say? Sometimes we are right, sometimes we're wrong. But if our children would, would stand up to us and say, You our father, you're not a good father. And in fact you're very, very dull. Everything you say here is rubbish and so on. Wow what, what do you think of that? You think this is disrespect isn't it even if i'm wrong my son cannot talk to me like that all right wrong or right you expect your son to find a proper way to address you and a proper approach not to stand up against you and challenge you 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 don't want that or your son begins to take the problems in the home everything you do and so on he goes and explains to the neighbor the father at the at the neighbor you see our father is useless uh, uh, yesterday, he didn't come back with rice. Uh, our father is useless. He doesn't know how to manage his money. Each time he gets money, this is what he does. You think, this is? it's betrayal, isn't it? Whether you're guilty or not guilty, 100%, this is betrayal. This is in the home, right? And how many of us are guilty of betrayal, betraying our, our very leaders? How many of us gather groups to speak about our own imams. A group, you see, yesterday, these, that day, this, this, it's a betrayal, isn't it? This is a leader. The moment he becomes a leader, we have the obligation of as watta. If you have some advice for him, grab him by the arm, take him aside, speak to him. I think what I've observed is this, this is this is my advice to you. Please do, do not do this. Is that good enough? It's very good. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, says, If you advise me in privacy, you have given me counsel. But if you advise me in front of people, you have insulted me. Even if the advice is good. But if you do it in front of people, then obviously you, you have insulted me. Even if I'm wrong, no person wants that. So what is the solution? What should we do, ya Rasulallah, to avoid this ikhtilaf? Maybe in this hadith it doesn't, it, it doesn't add that, but it's there in other rewyat. Or in yours there is. No. Hold on to my sunnah. Wasunna al Khulafa al Rashidin and the Sunnah of the Khulafa al Rashidin. Hold on to the Sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, in order to avoid ikhtilaf. and follow the Sunnah of the Khulafa al Rashidin. Who are the Khulafa al Rashidin? Rasulullah said, The Khilafa of the Khulafa al Rashidin is 30 years after me. After me, for 30 years, the Khilafah is rightly guided Khilafah. The khulafa during these 30 years are rightly guided by Allah. Why do they call them khulafa Al-Rashidin, Al-Mahdiyin. I want us to analyze these two words. Al-Rashid. What is the meaning of Rashid? Rashid is a person... Who follows actions which are correct? If someone's actions are correct, we say he is Rashid. and Mahdi is a person whose knowledge is correct. He is Mahdi if he has correct knowledge, he is Rashid if his actions are correct. This khulafa joined between these two things correct actions and correct knowledge. From whom? from the messenger sallallahu Allah, listen to the quran, allah says uh, these two words are important, dhalla and gawa dhalla is a person who, who doesn't know, a person who has no knowledge, he is lost but rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, ma he is not lost so he is what he is what He's mahdi okay gawa gawa is a person whose actions are not right they're not correct but rasulullah sallallahu wasallam is not gawi rasulullah sallallahu wasallam is what Rashid. so the ayah, ma dhalla sahibukum wa ma gawa in understanding the opposite means Rasulullah is Rashid and Mahdi. So the ir Rashidin are Mahdiyin. They are Rashidin and Mahdiyin. Taking the qualities of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa wa The same applies to these Khulafaa' wa they're not people who are lost, just, just following their desires. They follow exactly what they got from the messengers of Allah So what they order is sunnah. Do you understand? What Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu said is sunnah. What Umar said is sunnah. What Uthman said is sunnah. What Ali said is sunnah. Rasulullah used to pray eight raka'ats in Ramadan, taraweeh. How did we start praying 23 rakats? Umar gathered the people under one Imam and prayed 23 rakats, and it's Sunnah. How's it Sunnah? Because it's from Umar. And Rasulullah said, Follow my Sunnah and the Sunnah of the Khulafa al Rashidi. And this is the Sunnah of the Khulafa al Rashidi. After these, after these four, there is no Sunnah. It's okay, it's outside. After these four, there is no sunnah. Everything that comes, if someone is going to introduce something new outside these four Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, anything new which someone introduces in Islam is called what? Bid'ah. It's called bid'ah. That's why Rasulullah says after that in the hadith, Beware of new things. Things that have been newly introduced in religion. Beware of them. Stay away from them. Any invented matter, anything new is bid'ah, And any bid'ah is diversion away from the straight path. New things are divided into two. Alright? There are new things which are not deemed and new things which are part of deen. There are many new inventions that we have today. For example, Rasulullah didn't have a phone. We, we have a phone, right? But is a phone deen? Is it religion? A phone is not deen. So is it good or not good? It's good. It's good because this, this is nothing new it's in deen. It's not deen, all right? Rasulullah didn't have a car. You, you have cars. Is that, is that bid'ah? It's a good thing, isn't it? Because it's, it's nothing new in, in Deen. So according, I mean, when we look at our lives, our lives keep improving every day and we keep improving the things that we do, alright? For example, the cars of 20 years ago are not the cars that we have today. They just keep improving. Technology gets better and things are getting better and better. And that's a new, I mean, a good thing. But in religion, in Deen, there's no improvement. Improvement is not needed. Are we together? With other things, for example, they tell you this is boom. And this is the new improved boom with a new flavor, new whatever. That's, that's OK. But there is no improved Salah. You can't say this is the old Salah which they used to pray, and this is now our new improved Salah. Is, is, is that acceptable? There's no improved Salah. Yeah, no, for them, every day, every day, everything improves every day. In Islam, our, in our religion, nothing improves. Our lives will improve, our clothes, our technology, everything, all those things will improve, but Salah will remain the same. There is no new improved Salah, nothing. Or new improved way of of fasting. Say the old way was like this. So now, because this is the modern time, this is the new improved way of fasting. Unfortunately, some Muslims have found ways to to improve our, our religion. In Germany, um, I, I read about uh, a new improved masjid where men and women just sit side by, side by side, because these are modern times. So the new improved masjid allows men and women to just sit side by side, and, and the ladies are allowed to give khutbah and to lead salah in the new improved uh, masjid. Which runs according to the modern society. The problem is the Messenger وسلم, said, nothing new. After, after him, وسلم, and the khulafa il nothing new. Here is a criterion. Just ask yourselves. You know, I can't count all the bidah, all right? I cannot start counting. This is bidah, this is bidah, this is bidah. There are too many bidahs. You just ask yourself any when anything comes to you, just say, uh, uh, Rasulullah also used to do this? He said, No, okay, Abu Bakr, no, Umar, Uthman, Ali, they didn't. If someone comes with something in our religion, we ask him, so this thing did Rasulullah know about it or he didn't know about it? It's either he's going to say he knew about it or he didn't know about it. If he says he didn't know about it, he's a kafir. How can Rasulam not know about, about deen? Is that logical? You ask him this what you're teaching me now? For example, you're saying uh, we should sing every day after after Maghrib. Did Rasulullah sallallahu wa know about this singing after Maghrib or didn't he know about it? If he says he didn't know about it and he says it's ibadah, then he's a kafir. Because there's no way Rasulullah would not know about about an ibadah. If he says he knew about it, you ask him the next question, obviously, is if he knew about it, did he tell the people or he didn't tell the people? If he didn't tell the people, then this man is a kafir. He's saying Rasulullah hid some things, he didn't tell the people. And Allah in the Quran is saying, Ya ayyuhu, rasoolu, ma unzila ilayka mir rabbika wa illam O oh, messenger of Allah, deliver what you've been given. If you don't do it, then you haven't delivered the message. So if this dancing, Rasul knew about it, then he must tell the people. If he doesn't tell the people, then you, the one speaking, you're a kafir. You're saying Rasulul did not. Deliver what he was given by Allah. Allah shows him a dance and he doesn't show the people. Is that, is that delivering the message correctly? Allah has showed him a dance. To dance after Maghrib. And he, he didn't show the people. It means Rasulullah so Allah didn't do his job. Right? If he says he showed the people. Alright? We say heart. Bring the evidence. End of the issue. Alright? You find people making some sort of ibadah you don't know about in the masjid. Just ask them, did, did Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam know this? Okay, for example, dua. Okay. Did he know this dua? He says, yeah, yeah, he knew it. Did he teach the people? Yeah, he taught the people. Oh, hard. Where's the, the, the evidence? Is bit difficult to, to identify? It's not difficult at all. So, Rasulullah warns us against al Umur. Then there are some so called scholars who tell you Bid'ah is divided into categories. There is Bid'ah Hasana and Bid'ah Sayyi'ah. Good Bid'ah and bad Bid'ah. You can't say all Bid'ah is bad. Bid'ah is two groups good Bid'ah and bad Bid'ah. I want all of you to listen very carefully. Read the end of the hadith. Rasulullah, has used the word kulla. You know the meaning of kulla? Kulla means all. No? Right. No. All bid'ah. Okay is diversion. All bid'ah is bad. That's what Rasul is saying here. All. He said all. So where is the bid'ah hasana in this, in this hadith? Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi didn't say ba'dul bid'ah. Some bid'ah is bad. He said all bid'ah is bad. So where's this categorization coming from? Good bid'ah and bad bid'ah? Rasul said all bid'ah. So we we'll tell him We'll show you the taqsim, how to divide. We divide things into two things. It's either something is bid'ah, so it's not good. Or it's good, so it's not bid'ah. Simple. That's the division. Either something is good, so it's not bid'ah. Or it is bid'ah, so it is not good. You can't combine between bid'ah and good. <coughs> All bid'ah is bad. Nothing new in our religion. After Rasulullah and after the Khulafa, nothing new, all right? Would you agree if someone came and said, you know, looking at the society and so on, we see that Makkah is not strategically placed and uh, people are finding it very difficult to make the Hajj because of the mountains and so on. Therefore, we are moving the Qibla to South Africa. To, to facilitate easier ibadah, we, we will move it to, to South Africa. You know, following uh, a, a geography and so on, would you, would you agree to that? The Qibla is that Qibla until, until al Qiyamah. That will remain the Qibla. The Qibla is not going to shift. The Kaaba cannot be taken to another place. Some people have tried. You know, that stone has been stolen many times. You know that? Yeah, the black stone. It's been stolen many times. They had to chase it, to go and grab it, to bring it back to Makkah. Everyone wants his home to be the Qibla. They steal the stone, take it there, and and make their own uh, 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 Kaaba there. Even Abraham, before the birth of the messenger, you know why he came to Makkah with the elephants? Makkah was becoming too important. For him, he had built a big church in, in Yemen. And no one was going to the church. He wanted Yemen to be the center of trade, everyone to be going to Yemen, so he erected a big church. But then no one would come. Where are they going? They keep going to Makkah, to uh, uh, the Kaaba. He says, go and demolish that one so that the Kaaba becomes this, this church here in Yemen. أَلَمْ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ أَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ كَيْدَهُمْ فِي you saw what Allah did to them. Are you not afraid to start making your own Kaaba after what Allah did to Abraham? You erect your own Kaaba and then you read Alam bi ashabil What did Abraham want? A Kaaba of his own, right? You can't create your own Kaaba. There's one, and it will not change. It's the one in Makkah. Are we together? This hadith is important. Very, very important. In fact, this hadith is one of the central pillars of our religion. Bid'ah today is everywhere. In all walks of life, you see people practicing Bid'a. Is there someone to stop them? People, the people of Bid'a fight. Do you understand that? They fight for their Bid'a. Anyone who does not follow their bid'ah, they're going to fight that person. They love the bid'ah much more than they love salah. I've never seen any person fighting someone because he didn't pray five times a day. You ever seen anyone? But they they will fight you if you don't do what they're doing. Akhil Karim, fight me for salah. If I'm not coming to the masjid five times a day, fight me for that. But to fight me for something which is bid'ah, calling me to bid'ah, the ma'as lot. So what has a place in their hearts? Five times a day does not have a place in their hearts. Their bid'ah has a bigger place in their hearts. They can kill for bid'ah. They cannot kill for five times a day. They won't stand up to protect five times a day. Whatever you say about Salah, whatever you say about Abu Bakr, whatever you say about Umar, Wallahi Billah, no one is going to fight you. You can even insult Allah. No one is going to fight you. You insult Rasulullah no one is going to fight you but insult their bit and you see what they will do to you they will kill you for insulting their bit Subhanallah sallallahu wa illa anta wa wa